0: You guys, checking in Sunday night. Glad to be here with all y'all. I'm Chris with Cycle Source Magazine. This is Shop Talk, going live in just two minutes. Good to see all you guys here. Everybody from Chopper Town, everybody from the Cycle Source Network. Mr. Rob Nussbaum in the house. Michael Bernhardt, Steve Broyles, Detroit, Michigan. Right on. Good to see you here, brother. Amy McMullen. Good to see you, William Cole. Remember to hit the like and share button so everybody knows when we go live with this programming, trying to keep the COVID blues away for over six months now from the Cycle Source headquarters, 50 feet below, 50 feet, 50 floors below the street level here in the Dennis Kirk Motorcycle Studio. Just about a minute and a half left. Three guys from Medford, Tony, Nick, and Muzzy. Once racing gets in your blood, it never goes away. Let's get this show in gear. It's going to be a great show for race fans tonight. Big news in the world. Our uh, resident race reporter, Mr. Tyler Porter, is coming in to talk that over with you. And we got some shop stuff tonight. It's going to be an awesome show, just a minute out. Stick around, grab something to drink. We're going live with Shop Talk. One minute. Uh, Jamie Roberts, I gotta give you a special shout out for that. Hello from Basiris Mo, where the men are men and the cows are afraid. Been there many times, my man. Greg White in the house. Gus, gus, my man. Good to see you here, buddy. Shop talk 30 seconds away. We started with a kind of weird clock tonight, so I don't know. I guess I guess we could cut this one short. Get this thing out of, out of the station up on the tracks go live with another episode of shop talk here we go Hey, Scooter trams and Chopper Jockeys. It's just after 9 p.m. on Sunday, and that means it's time for another episode of Shop Talk. We got some gremlins in the studio tonight, but hopefully it's not going to be too bad. We're trying to do some new stuff, and uh, I think maybe we pushed the the boundaries on the equipment again. But moving on, no big deal. Uh, Shop Talk coming to you live from the Dennis Kirk Motorcycle Studio. Good to be here with you guys again. I'm going to bring in the crew, see what everybody's up to this week. How's everybody doing? Hey.
1: Hey,
0: hey. It's going to be a good show. Oh, boy.
1: I think some of our gremlins might be Mother Nature. The wind's whipping and howling out there in western Pennsylvania. So hopefully she's kind to us over the next 90 minutes and we can get through this program.
0: And, boy, I'll tell you what. Like, if you guys are getting your fall riding in, God bless you for doing it. Randy Wagner in here from New Kensington. Good to see you. If you're getting your fall riding in, good for you because that like every 3 days there's a 70 or 80 degree day here in the northeast and then it turns to shit again and man it's it's going to happen quick
1: when i was in new hampshire we had snow on friday and saturday through the time i left it was in the 70s every day
2: mark you're you're in touch with it we're we're known for having all three or four seasons in one day around here yeah. <laughs> it's pretty uh, it's pretty normal for us so i
0: like it i like them all so i'll take them all so nevertheless that means uh with the onset of the the cold weather it means we're headed back to headed back to winter and the good thing about winter is it gives us time to get into the shop we got some great stuff coming up for you for uh for shop stuff tonight and uh you know throughout the rest of the winter we got some great great segments planned it'll be awesome um, in addition, you're to-
1: just excited because you got new tools. Oh
0: boy,
2: you know, <laughs> if, if, you know, we lost Hello Megator and gained this freaking lathe. Hello Megator. If, if I hear one more thing about this lathe, I might just
0: light the garage on fire. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, please don't. Sweet Jesus, ah, uh, it's awesome. Listen, hey, I think ev- inside of every garage guy is the aspiration to have, you know, a, a lathe and a mill and, like, make stuff, and it's exciting, man. It's an exciting thing, but I can be a little well, much you, when I it... get excited, so I well, get no, it. no, it.
1: it's great, because you get excited just like an, excuse me, a little kid with a new toy. <laughs> You're like, honey, look what this does. Look what this does. Did you see this? Did you see how this works? I'm like,
2: uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love, mm-hmm. I love That's that. my reply, too. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that I have these buttons. <laughs> That's exactly what we're thinking. So you're pushing the buttons. We're thinking, right on. So um, big news this week, and this is uh, something we're going to get to in the second in the second hour of the show. But um, Harley Davidson and Vance and Hines, respectively, in independent press releases over the last week, announced that they're they're seeing the end of the relationship between Vance and Hines and Harley Davidson for racing. Additionally, Harley Davidson is uh, no longer going to field factory race teams. Instead, they're going to move to a, uh, a program where they support dealer level race programs it's pretty big news I mean um, you know as much as both sides are trying to, to make it sound positive it's definitely indicative of a place where we're at but man that's going to affect drag racing and flat track racing like crazy well, hopefully it'll bring oh, some of them absolutely. small drag racers back out
2: you know which would be great give the little guy a shot again but yeah that's sort of a
0: crunch for the for the big race teams and you would you would hope that that's what it does, but see, like, and we'll we'll wait to get to get into this. I'm I'm not even going to say any more about it because Tyler has Tyler's gone to school on this for the show tonight. He's got some great information. So if you're looking for some answers to this stuff, stick around for that. Um, in the meantime, this is Shop Talk. Like I said, uh, ninety to one hundred twenty minutes of all the bullshit we can fit every Sunday, nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time little news we bring on a guest or two have some information yuck yuck hee hee. we start the whole thing off with the national news why are you laughing at me man why are you doing that go ahead go ahead heather read the news go ahead
1: why well (laughs) why shouldn't i laugh at you come on now uh, um, do we want to start with Komodo or Buffalo? Chip? What do we want to start with?
0: Start w- start with Komodo while I get my shit together and bring the screen up, <laughs> right?
1: So there you go. So Komodo Holdings, for those of you who don't know, um, they currently own Revzilla and Cycle Gear, and they just bought out JP Cycles. Um, they also just acquired Rever. Um, which is a Colorado-based technology company that connects the global community of power sports. So basically, Komodo is buying up pretty much anything motorcycle that they can. Um, I mean, that's just basically to sum it up. I'm going to throw a link to the whole news article in because you don't really want to hear me read it. But they really are trying to buy up the moto world. At least that's what it feels like to a layperson such as myself. Um, they're just grabbing whatever they can
2: wonder what the catch is right well um, be yeah, a catch.
1: well and it says that they're going to remain their own entity um within Komodo so um, a lot of the employees will stay um but they'll just they'll kind of assimilate to how Komodo Ooh, does a, business That's
2: a wonderful
0: word assimilate right
1: You like that one that was
0: great. <laughs> Man I'll tell you what Tonight is tonight is just a night and night. Yeah, I like the way computer. she throws
1: some words
2: out there, makes you think. You know, I like that. <laughs> you like that. So,
0: <laughs> awesome.
2: So
1: that's that's the first one. Second one up is um, Sturgis Buffalo Chip. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you know, but they've been fighting for a few years now to be recognized as their own town um, because it is a huge property. People do live there year round. Um, um, unfortunately, unfortunately once again the Supreme Court struck it down um, because, and, and again, I'm going to sum it up. They think most people are lying that 100 people don't actually live there, um, and that's the minimum requirement. Uh, again, that's a brief summation, but unfortunately, our friends at the Buffalo Chip did not get to be an official town in the state of South Dakota. I imagine they'll continue fighting it, but um, I, you
0: know, and we'll I got to stay I gotta say, I got to say, I really hope that they do. You know yeah. because why wouldn't they let them I mean at this point well you gotta you gotta imagine the tax revenue is is first and foremost at the top of that list yeah. you know
1: right the one yeah the city of the Sturgis is the one fighting it the hardest because they are gonna take a huge hit on revenue if the town if Buffalo chip becomes right. the town of Buffalo chip the city of Sturgis stands to lose a tremendous amount of money so you know for them it's worth fighting for
0: no yeah. No, maybe they need to up their game for the rally. That's right. Everybody's been saying that for years. Yep. Um, so here, let me go through the screen since I finally got my poop in a group. That was the the Komodo Holdings. <laughs> um, this is <laughs> this is the Buffalo Chip okay, story. Catch up. Yeah. Jesus Christ, Chris, what's going on tonight?
1: I love that. I'm on top of it tonight. It's it's instead of me going crickets.
0: Next up in the news, (laughs) Harley-Davidson, and this comes in from Auto Evolution. Harley-Davidson dealers looking to sue bike maker over major move this year. It's been a rough year for the world's most prominent motorcycle brand, Harley-Davidson, as nothing seems to have been right over the past few months. Product-wise, the launch of Livewire is yet to yield the desired results, while at a corporate level, the struggles have been immense. Harley's 2020 problems did not, of course, start this year, but are the culmination of decades of poor choices, choices that back... March 2020 led to the ousting of the company's CEO, Matt Levitech, and in September, to perhaps an even more shocking announcement, the retirement from the Indian market. The gist of this story is, uh, as Harley, after a decade of um, going to bat and trying to bring motorcycles out in the, the Indian market, which, if you don't know, millions of motorcycles are sold in India every year but right here you can see after a decade of sales Harley-Davidson was only responsible for 25,000 units there um, it's it's believed that that's because they're just not selling the the smaller CC smaller displacement motorcycles that Indian consumers are looking for um, and they've decided to pull out of the market much to the chagrin of the dealer network they started to develop in India who are now seeking uh, compensation for the money that they're going to be out with Harley Davidson leaving them without a um, a choice for their business platform so that's going to be a rough one and that's strange there's a yeah, big culture works. for for V twins there like especially
2: older i mean don't some of the private parts makers really sell a lot of parts uh, in India?
0: Well, and this is, you got think... to remember, though, on a factory level, you know? Well, yeah,
2: I'm, I'm saying, but are they not selling new bikes yet? Old bikes and parts are kicking it there? and I mean, I wonder well, what the demographic I, on that is.
1: I think also India's demographic is mostly like, Harley-Davidson's are for the super rich over there. Yeah. Just like they are you know, in in the you know Asia and China, Japan, Korea, Vietnam, those are for the really wealthy people. And I I think in India you see most people on scooters and the smaller Royal Enfields and the smaller Triumphs. Oh, but in India, um, could, Heather,
0: I don't I don't know if it has as much to do with economics in India because India has a really really strong economic situation. Yeah. What it has to do most up most with, I believe. Is that in India, they look at the motorcycle much more as a utilitarian right. purpose, you know oh, and, absolutely and, and that's the thing, like you know, when you have the proposition of something that's that's quick, cheap to maintain, easy to zip through, yeah, you know the the traffic. like if you see any of the traffic pictures over there, it's awesome. it's insane.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Chris, think about even when we were lucky enough to spend those few brief days in Italy. Motorcycles are huge over there. However, we saw very few Harley-Davidsons. Yep. Yeah. We saw the the smaller, quick, nimble chow. Like you yeah, exactly. <laughs> you saw, you know, the ratio was 10 to 1 if not greater, you know.
0: Right on. Well, let's uh let's move on with some more news. Chris Farley, you guys will know him as Tommy Boy. His Harley-Davidson motorcycle is up for auction. This coming in from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. The late, great Chris Farley never actually owned a van down by the river, but Farley did have a Harley. Farley had a Harley. Harley? <laughs> the Harley, Harley owned by Farley. <laughs> Harley's Harley. <laughs> and, so. Uh, and now, the, wait, and I'm reading the news, damn it. <laughs> I don't know, but Farley had know, a Harley. Wait a minute, wait a
1: minute. All this time, you want me to be Robin whatever her name is. I still don't really know. I have a quick synopsis of this article. Oh, boy. Because I actually read it. <laughs>
2: Go ahead, she actually read this one <laughs> That's awesome That's awesome And, and the, the ratings for the show just go in the toilet uh, Oh dude, they just went straight up I don't know who you're kidding, Honesty is a bitch
1: <laughs> Well, so I'm the one that picks what news we, we do or don't talk about So sometimes I pick them Because like there's a funny snippet in here The Harley Which is a, a sportster 1200, nothing fantabulous is being auctioned off without its key, because his brother, who owns it or is auctioning it off, says whoever is going to buy it has to actually ride it before they get the key. So they have to contact him, prove that they can ride it, and then he'll give them the key.
0: Oh, right on! So he's doing it so that it's not like a sweeper or somebody that's just going to sell the so bike, sell right? it.
1: Yeah. That's and awesome. And Farley only really rode it a, f- a few times around Chicago because he was terrified of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got, like, no miles on it.
0: Oh, my God. It oh. just it just gets worse. You know? <laughs> hey, just... somebody's going to get a
1: good little sports turn.
0: With no key. All right. and uh, With no key. Like we, said at, like we said at the top of the show, one of the major stories that's coming out this week is uh, Harley-Davidson Racing efforts to refocus on dealers, competitive program. Um, HD will support AFT Super Twins, Production Twins, and HRA Pro Stock Competition. Harley-Davidson is hearkening back to the foundation of the company's competitive spirit by refocusing on building within the brand and celebrating the heritage of grassroots flat track racing by offering support to its entire dealer network through the development of contingency programs. The problem that I see with this, and we're gonna uh, we're gonna get to this in the next hour, is the fact that the dealer network is not the same as it once was. You know, back in the day when they're talking about hearkening back to the the foundations of the company's competitive spirit, that was a day where you know the average dealer principal was themselves a through and through enthusiast. It was much less about the the business of Harley Davidson than it was just guys who loved Harleys. You know, so they were they were chomping at the bit to get out and race I, I question you know how much participation you're gonna have at that of course there will be some and I'm not saying at all you know racing is dead at the dealer principal level it's just not as you know, prominent I, as it used to be yeah
1: well and I think it's hard because the dealers right now them individually are struggling yeah you know every time you go on the news you see another dealership closing it's been hard on them so them to ask them to come out of pocket to continue this tradition it's it's going to be a tall ask for a lot of the dealers because they're they're just getting by i mean i hope they do
0: when i think too that i think, too, I think that, it's like, going to be tough you know this this goes along with the news about harley davidson um not renewing the the contract for vance and heinz um race development and you know when i said that this is indicative or a sign of the times like you know harley davidson is across the board looking for places to make cuts you know, and save money and reallocate investment. And, you know, this is, this is just another thing. The unfortunate part about that is this is also a time where, you know, core support could really use a shot in the arm. So I, I would hope that it works out like they're talking, you know, that, that dealers pick up on this and, you know, racing goes back to more of a grassroots kind of deal. Because, and, and th- again, this is all stuff we're going to talk about in the next hour. But, you know, we, we sure do need those, those grassroots campaigns.
1: I do. I absolutely agree. I think grassroots is where it's at. That's how you've been able to stay cycle source for 24 years. I'm curious, though. Do you think any of it has... And I don't mean this as a kick while they're down, but do you think any of it has to do with the fact that in racing, Harley-Davidson just can't get to the top?
0: I'm, I'll that's, bet a bit, yeah. and And that's the... That's the the nine hundred pound gorilla in the room. You know that's that's the one thing, boy. And, and this, you know, how many of us were saying right after King of the Baggers, like, oh my God, how how much longer is this going to go on with Harley Davidson and Vance and Hines, and you know, not being able to to get ahead of the Indian, and like, you know, shortly right. thereafter this announcement comes out. So is it, it,
1: I'm taking my I'm taking my ball and I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, right. I,
0: I, <laughs> you know, I think another factor here.
2: Know is that a a lot of the dealers back then were like these little private-owned dealers. And, you know, they used to love competing each other when it came to drag racing and flat-tracking. And and in the past 20 years, 15 years, that's gone away. I mean, the little race teams... And keep in mind, a lot of those dealers, the race bike and the drag bike and whatever they ran, wasn't even a dealer-owned bike. It was a friend of the dealership or, you know, somebody local that was a... You know, a good racer had a fast bike, and they promoted them, and they pushed them, and they helped them a little bit. Well, they said they helped them, but they put their name on their back pretty much. But yeah. I, I think that's what
0: needs to come back, you know. Well, and Jason, Jason Holman is bringing up in the social media feed, like Robinson's. And, yeah, absolutely like Robison's. Yep. What's uh, what's out, out in Ohio? Um, they were in land speed, flat track. Damn it, in Columbus. Hold yeah, hold on. I know who you're talking about can't even believe yeah. i forget that dealership i, I mean, mean here here in pennsylvania we had some of the oldest dealerships in the country yeah. you know and like that that was a very special time and i can remember some of the guys around here telling stories about how you know the one brother would tend bar at night the one brother drove school bus in the daytime to keep the doors of the place yeah open. right right
1: yeah i mean personally i mean i would like love to see the grassroots effort on dealer level i'd like to see that more than some of are other directions that they're going, they're they're getting too far away from their core. A lot, even on the at the dealer level too, like too many. Hey, <laughs> I'm trying to be I'm trying to be gentle.
0: Don't do it. Let well, go. <laughs> you can you can say it but like this: too many sales motivated, yeah, in house events. You know that that, that are
1: that was a very good way to yeah. put it.
0: And I also you think know? that like back then
2: your local harley dealership like you supported them like that was your mc almost you know what i mean and nowadays people run around more on the ground of looking for the better deal or the private owner or what they can get over compared to you know
0: the that dealership that they tried and true that's their dealership you know you know jason's up there again and he says the dealers provide the provide the factory with feedback honestly it's a good thing and we're saying it could be a good thing you know it it, it could also be it could also be a shortage of uh of real support and real presence when when we need it a lot too you know i mean there's unarguably some some great parts about it i mean because it's gonna it's gonna loosen things up a lot you know harley harley puts pushes a lot of weight around at the track and um to to take some of that away from it too and you you guys that are out and racing, you know what I'm talking about so, well we're going to wait for Tyler to get in any more of that, I'll tell you what we're going to do right now, I'm going to remind you guys that this is Shop Talk um, coming to you live, 50 floors beneath the street level at Cycle Source Magazine headquarters Um, the Dennis Kirk Motorcycle Studio where we come to you live every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're going to take a real quick commercial break, and we're going to come back until Tyler comes on with us. We're going to come back with a little uh, little shop time with Dr. Stupidhead. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with you. Stick around.
3: I joined the military straight out of high school because I felt like I really needed some direction in my life. And what I got out of it was a sense of purpose and, more importantly, to be part of a brotherhood. I started riding when I was 21, on sport bikes like most of us do when we're 21 years old. Quickly I transitioned into the love of a cruiser. My perfect ride would be, with all my buddies with me, riding. <coughs> on the coast of the ocean. There's something amazing about having all your friends with you in the perfect scenery all at the same time. My bike is a 2015 Harley Davidson Dyna Fat Bob. My favorite upgrades to it so far are my custom fairing and my 16 inch ape hanger handlebars. My name is Brandon LaBelle and I'm a Dennis Kirk rider. Xavier with Providence Cycle
4: Works in Austin, Texas, your host for the 2021 High Seas Rally, the only biker rally on a cruise ship. I'm super pumped and way excited to be on the ship this year. But what I'm most excited about is the custom bike that I'm building
1: for
3: one of you guys to win. You're automatically entered when you come on board with us. Let's get ready to rock. So I-
0: Hey, this is Chris with Cycle Source Magazine. I want to thank you for watching the flagship show of the Source Media Group, Shop Talk. We go live with Shop Talk every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but it's only one of the many programs we offer from Source Media. In addition to that, Wednesday nights we have a show, Cannonball Chronicles, that looks into the life and times of cannonball racers as they prepare for this year's Motorcycle Cannonball. Thursday night... We have Bike Night Live that goes into the Bike Night culture, the food, the fun, the hanging out with people, and we even have some live entertainment. Sunday morning, Cyber Swap Meets kick off where we have a sort of home shopping network approach to motorcycle swap meets, and we bring guys on that have live parts to sell right there. All of this in addition to our staples, which are Grease and Gears TV, live on the street from the events and rallies, Grease and Gears Garage recent gears garage roadshow we look forward to bringing more of this type of entertainment to you from the home of two-wheel entertainment the source media group
1: So, Chris is up in the shop, and uh, I think he's ready to teach us a little something.
0: I am. You tell me when I'm on. You are on. All right, man. Hey, we noticed not too long ago that uh, we call this program Shop Talk, and we talk a lot of shit, but we haven't uh, always done a lot of shop stuff. So, we're in the Grease and Gears garage. We're going to be doing a lot of segments from here over the winter and um, see how we how we do about you know keeping the shop part in Shop Talk. So... You guys know that as far as tech stuff goes, as I learn stuff, I pass it along through the magazine. I bring it on the show. I do everything. So as Mark said, and this is totally going to piss him off, that we're going to talk about the lathe for this whole segment. Stupid lathe. (laughs) But I've been in the shop working on figuring out the lathe, getting it tooled up. And the things that I'm learning we're going to turn into a whole series to teach you guys because I think in the back of every garage guy's mind they want to get to the point where someday they have a lathe they have a good bandsaw they have a milling machine and you can make stuff but there's many many things to learn along the way we're going to do a lot of that work with you teach you the stuff that we learn as as we go through it Um, one of the first things you want to keep in mind is if you're saving up that fifteen hundred or two thousand dollars to get the lathe that is only the first payment. You know, whether you get some of the tools, you're gonna, real quick, you're gonna be invested another thousand dollars, you know, like that. It's gonna be quick. Everything from the tool post to, you know, the tools that are gonna fit in the tail stock, you're, you're gonna wanna make sure that you have some money and you're ready to spend that before you get this thing. That, on the nice side, you know, once you get it tooled up, things that happen, you know, like on a Sunday, Something happens like this and, and you end up with a ruined piece of hardware. Having a lathe and having this equipment, you can go right over to the machine, you know, get a similar piece of hardware, turn down the diameter of this so that it's ready to put threads on, and you can make your own piece of hardware in a pinch on a Sunday where you might not be able to buy a, a replacement piece. Um, what I'm going to start with today, and I hope we're still, we're still on the overhead camera, Yep. Okay, so what I'm going to start with today is the, is the tool post. This is a quick change tool post and I'm going to show you guys the difference between it and the kind that comes on most of this style lathe. So originally this would have come with either this rocker style tool post or one of these things here. You know, nothing bad about this, but it takes a lot of time to switch out between tools. Obviously a lot more with that one than it does with this one. This this is on its way to be in a quick, quick change, but you have to buy a lot of stuff to make it that way. Um, for me, I like to be able to get in and out of things quick. You know, the time that I have in the shop is kind of dear to me because it's so short. know not for production or anything but I want to get into a quick so um, this is from AccuSize good company makes good tools for a fair price Um, what what this is called there's two different styles of a quick change tool post this is a wedge style they have another style that's called a cam style I kind of like the wedge better what this gives you the ability to do though is once you have your tooling set up for every operation whether it's you know a straight cut like this, if you're working into the left, if you're going to be doing knurling, you know all of this stuff is on individual tool holders, and they they on and off real quick, let you get into the work. Um, I'm going to take two seconds here and teach you something that was taught to me by Mr. Will Ramsey because one of the questions you'll get right off the bat is, okay, so how do you know how to set the depth for where this piece should be, where the where the actual tip of the tool should be? Um, machinist scale, I'm going to take this right up against my material. And if you guys... That was love. Or we can just drop That'll that That'll be there. down there. If you guys... <laughs> If you guys can see that's why I made this show if you guys can see this is perfectly up and down that that gives me the idea that that's going to be dead center into the middle of my material so from there if I was just setting this up you know I would want to take this and lock it into place right there or I'll tell you what we can set another one up real quick
1: hey Chris William Lapine would like to come over and help you break it in. Is that right. it looks too clean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know. Well, I You He wants to see the centering that a, tool? There was a gunsmith, you know, and they're in, they're inherently clean and organized and
2: stuff. We get one that's really up and, and don't remember. Just tell him after the first time you use it, it'll definitely not be oh, yeah. clean anymore. So I'm a
0: sloppy. I'm a sloppy shop guy. Mark can tell you all about it. You
2: can. You can usually tell. in in my shop when I'm mad at Chris because he cleaned something
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so you guys can see here how far out of line this is, it's way above the material so all I'm going to do to get that is I'm going to move that down to where I think it's going to be centered I'm going to bring my scale in, it's still off center, keep bringing it down off center, You know, and I for a lot of the guys that are out there that have worked a lathe and stuff and worked in shops, this is going to be elementary information. And I know I'm not teaching you anything, but there's a lot of guys out there that want to start doing this stuff. And believe it or not, it's not the kind of things that are in a lot of books. There's not a lot of YouTube videos about it. It's still kind of one of the last vestiges of find an old guy that can teach you some stuff, you know? So I'm going to lock that in now.
1: Hey, Rob just reminded me that I have control over the sound effects.
2: You You
1: do. Do I just push a button?
2: You
0: do.
1: (laughs) Push them all.
0: (laughs) Okay. So with that locked in place now, the thing that's nice is every time I want to use this tool now, all I have to do is pull it off the rack up here. I know it's gonna be in the right position. It's gonna be dense center of the material. You know, and that's why you make the investment. You smart ass. <laughs> that's why that's why you make the investment in a tool like this, because at the end of the day it saves you money. Um, Don't laugh, Heather. He's trying to be serious right now.
1: Oh come on. There's a
0: bunch of <laughs> things that you have to learn along the way. Like this is uh, this is my chuck for the drill, drilling, tapping, okay, everything that's going to happen. But to get this to work with that, you have to you have to know what tail what your what Morris taper your tailstock has. We're going to go over a whole series to teach you just in case you can't find it through the model number of your lathe. We'll teach you how to measure and identify your Morris taper. Let's go back to the overhead camera see how that fits in. It's actually like a, an interference fit that brings that into the tailstock and lets you do that work. A um, bunch of other stuff we're going to go through with this thing man. It'll be a great series by the end. Um, also over at the mill, let's move over to this for a second. I don't have a cameraman, so I'm going to do this manually.
1: Somebody wants to know what you plan on making the most with that Uh,
0: lathe you know honestly there's a lot of stuff like basic spacers and bungs you know we do a lot of fabrication a lot of this stuff like at the top of handlebars or this would be the base of the handlebars but these are quick pieces that you can make in a lathe you know real quick cut cut it off thread it you have a handful of these real quick so over the mill we're actually uh, getting ready to set up a phase converter to power this mill because this is a three-phase mill. Um, John over at Hardtail Choppers hooked us up with the the cool wrench and I'm in the middle of making outriggers with um, leveling feet. So let's talk about leveling feet for a minute. This is one of the important things to do, whether it's the lathe, the mill, or even my bandsaw. Is taking the time to level the machine and having vibration isolation. You can see what I did down As I used a piece of 1x2 um, cold rolled steel. I tapped them so that I can connect to the machine here and then outside of it I have some 8,000 pound uh, leveling pads, uh, similarly, I've done the same kind of thing over with the lathe, you can see those at the bottom of the lathe, and you can see them over at my bandsaw. <laughs> I like Poppy's
2: answer. Steve Boyle's asked what you're going to make most of that way That's money. I
1: hope right so.
3: Right on. Yeah.
1: So, Chris, when you're done with the segment, Tyler is in the waiting room.
0: Okay, awesome.
1: Um, so you just let me know and we'll go to our commercial break and you can bring him well, in.
0: So there's a, there's a lot of other stuff. Um, like I said, this was just meant to be a real quick primer to get you guys started to the idea that we're going to be doing stuff in the shop. We're going to be teaching you little stuff as we learn it. You know, the simplest things about speed and feed, you know, teaching how to calculate a, a base um, parameter for, for the different types of metal because speeds and feeds makes all the difference when you're doing work with this machine or the lathe or even the bandsaw, you know. So um, as we learn this stuff, we're going to pass it on to you and uh, should be a pretty cool winter here in the Grease and Gears garage. So look right for more that. of that real soon.
1: All right, I'm going to go to commercial but while you make the transition down here, but I did want to just remind people in our latest issue of Cycle Source, Will Ramsey at Faith Forgotten did a, a great article on leveling your lathe.
0: Yep, so. and I used that when I put these pads on.
1: Awesome. All right, let's go to this commercial, and you can come on back down.
0: Yeah, it wasn't too painful, was it, Heather?
1: It's scary.
0: (laughs) Well, Uh, and in
1: all fairness, you gave me, like, literally a 30-second crash course. Hit this button, hit this button, don't touch that. Oh, and then he's going to throw in, like, mute, unmute, this, that. I'm like, no. I need, like, I need a day, not less than five minutes. Hey, look. I got to use a sound effect.
0: We've been uh, we've been working on, on Shop Talk for almost five years now. It's not like I gave you a five second crash course. No, on
1: engineering. But you, when we first started Shop Talk, it was Facebook screen sharing.
0: <laughs> Alright, well, hey, listen, like I said at the beginning of the show, um, we have a truly educated reporter that's going to come in and try to help make sense of all the Vance and Hines, Harley Davidson news with us. So Put your hands together for me. Welcome, Tyler, the Miler Porter, the editor of of the Inside Line. How you doing, Tyler?
4: Man, I'm doing great. You guys, uh, let's let's kind of walk it back on that truly informed thing. If uh, if you remember when you hit me up last night about even coming on and doing this, I was like, "Ooh, man, I need to talk to some people before I've got uh, because." There's so much rumors, you know, there, there's so much just going back in text messages and this and that. Well, I think this and I'm talking to this person and Absolutely. this and that. So I had to do some digging. And, and luckily, um, the flat track world was very, very bored on a on a Saturday. Uh, <laughs> so I was able to actually get some pretty good information and kind of wrap my head around that. And, of course, I was listening to you guys earlier, too. And, you know, you guys all made some really great points, um, you know, about. Uh, you know, and the whole reason you want to be on here is talk about you know the harley-Davidson you know pulling back their factory team and you know so so I'll let you get it started, Chris, since this is your show and what did we talk about yesterday?
0: well, we t- we talked about the fact that there's there's a lot of different sides to this, you know and the, and the fact that this this could be a good thing in many ways but there there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of questions right off the bat and and it's really important for me to say from the beginning when we talk about things it's literally from the street level like i have no real inside i just i give my opinions about stuff and you know that's why i asked somebody like tyler to actually do some you know do do the responsible thing and go around and ask some questions but from the, from the layperson, you know, from, from the people out in the street, it just looks like, you know, Harley got tired of, of losing. And they're just, they're giving up and they're going to walk away from racing.
4: Yeah, but the first question I have is, does Harley Davidson's racing, you know, heritage, does it even matter? Does that matter to today's consumer? Does that matter to the person that's going to buy that bike? And, you know, I go to races every year, Springfield being, you know, the big one I go to. And you look through that parking lot and you look you look at um, the people wearing the clothes and, you know, I'm here for Harley. And, you know, since they moved to this XG platform and really struggled against the Indians, you know, back, you go back a few years ago and they're struggling against the Kawasaki's when a Harley would take the lead. You just hear those stands erupt and it made you feel good and it made you feel proud about you know Harley racing but when we really step back and we get out of our tiny little koi pond and we look at the you know Lake Michigan does that really matter no i you agree know, i agree with was, you was was this not a actually a sound financial decision
0: yeah oh, absolutely right. from from the financial end of things it's absolutely sound you know but
4: you know what it- I don't want to sit here and bash the sport that's basically given me everything that that I have now, but I you got to look at it from a from an outsider's approach.
2: Yeah, but you're not bashing and, it. you're being honest. I mean, yeah, in, in all reality, it's about who you choose it. Your team doesn't always have to be a winner. You just have to support your team.
4: Yeah, and, you know, with Harley saying, like, hey, we're not getting out of racing. We're still going to support. And, you know, Vance and Hines kind of saying the same thing. Hey, we're still going to support. We're still going to be the official, you know, manufacturer of the XG platforms, um, that kind of thing. That's all well and good. But, like, you guys touched on earlier about, you know, they're they're saying, oh, this is going to go through the dealer networks. Mm. Well, the problem is you guys have sat there and watched it. As yep. one by one, these these one owner dealerships have started to board up. They've started to sell out. And Harley, you know, from from friends of mine that have had franchises and things, they've told me Harley wants big owner groups. Yep. They want to talk to one guy that influences you know ten stores. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I don't really know off the top of my head any of those owner group principles. That give a crap about racing, and and that's what sucks because that's where the money is. You know, it's the guys like, you know, God bless George Latus. Yeah, I mean that guy. He's got a rotor. George Rotor. Rotors. You know, God bless those guys for you know. Latus is kind of the only dealer really, truly going racing. You know, at this time, Um, but like Mark said before, you guys brought me on. It's not these dealers with in-house race departments. This isn't Robeson in Daytona going to the Speedway and yeah. then having a machine shop out back. Right. This is hey, we're getting our name on the leathers and here's some money. Yeah. Um,
2: which is cool because I keep I think that keeps the little guy in it. Like you said, yeah, now if the dealers want the big conglomerates. If it would, though.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So the problem is like these dealerships who have historically really supported you know a legit race team. You got American Harley Davidson up in New York, you know, the owners of that dealership, their kids raced, and then they sponsored other racers. You got Michler's Harley, um, and BMW. They just announced they're closing forever. And, you know, relatives of the mission, you know, several people in the Mischler family, you know, um, you know, steel race, you know, the Danimal mission, you know, Dan Mischler, he's the, like the hooligan champion. Um, in in one of the series, and then, um, yeah, it's just it's just a struggle. The people that hardly put out in a press release saying, "Oh no no no, racing will continue to go on," when you sit there and look at the dealership groups or the dealerships that actually sponsor racing, and then you walk it back, you see that there there really is no connection there, no, and, and I, I just. I don't see anybody, you know, like the big thing is these auto guys, these auto guys get into the Harley business and the last thing they want to do, you know, like, and I worked at a Harley dealership and they weren't like automotive dealer, um, guys, but their background was in cars. You know, they're like, they're skimping money on like what brand of paper towels we have in the bath, in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Like
0: there's, there's, there's the no money. way
4: they're going to be like okay hey we're going to have you know a couple of mechanics and we're going to have a couple of bays in the shop and they're going to work on race bikes. I just nope. I would love to see it happen. I don't see it happening.
0: And this is this is my biggest thing because you touched on something. Yes, it's absolutely sound financial uh, uh, responsibility on Harley Davidson's part. But what about the other investment? Because, you know, this is this is a time when we're in the middle of this generational change. And, you know, for for whatever reason, motorcycles is, is in one of the downturns right now. This is a time where it's important to continue to make those investments in not just to the core consumer, but to the core of the thing itself. You know, and I think when I think about racing, drag racing, flat track racing, you know, especially in a time where so many of the younger demographic are moving towards performance-based applications of these products, whether it's the stunt bikes, the FXR crowd, the performance bagger stuff. You know, I think it's important for Harley-Davidson to have a presence in all of that. And I think it's important for them from a leadership uh, proposition to, to, to make sure that, that they're fostering that.
2: You know, and another thing that we have to stem on. Me and Chris have talked about here a couple times, and a lot of us have talked about. When it comes to racing, a lot of guys don't race the newest model. Try and go to a Harley dealership and buy a part for your Evo. Try and go to a Harley dealership and buy a part for any other model that's out there right now otherwise than something new they don't exist it's almost like they've they've given up on anything that they can't entirely you said it before make money on the digits are all they're concerned about in all reality and that pushes the little race guy like what we raced growing up that would have pushed us right out of the dealership you know
4: yeah yeah and you know we we look at that kind of stuff, and and what's funny is like I watch the the flat track classified ads and stuff like that, and all the X, you know, everybody. I love our flat track fans. Like I said, flat track's given me basically everything I have in my career. But man, these people are screaming, "Bring back the XR!" That that isn't the solution. The XR was already at the end of its yeah. development, and you know, you look at the XR could only beat a Kawasaki at certain kinds of racetracks. And, you know, and and people look at that and I'm like, guys, there are no Kawasaki's in the Super Twins class anymore. So you can't just bring back the XR. There are no parts. Right. You know, main bearings for those things are going for insane amounts of money. And they were always expensive, but, you know, they're gone. So, you know, that's not the, the solution. And then you look at the XG platform, And Vance and Huns has made excellent strides with that. A few years ago, they made a new cylinder and cylinder head set up for the thing. Um, But the big problem there is that, and the inside information I have, is that they have been able, out of that XG, they've been able to basically make the same power curve as the Indians. But the thing with the Indian was that is a purpose-built motorcycle. Mm, here we go. And, uh, and <laughs> the cases the cases are made to house a ginormous set of flywheels.
0: Now this this is this is where this thing gets a little bit interesting, you know, because especially the Indian guys out there, they want to they want to talk about oh, Indian kicking Harley's ass no matter what they're doing. Yeah. And immediately you want to say, well, why doesn't Harley just, and this is what I said, I actually said it to you, and you schooled me on this a little bit, you know, why doesn't Harley just make a purpose-built motorcycle to go and get that ass, to go after it, you know, but it it was a little different than that, the way Indian kind of veiled their, their effort, right?
4: right from from my understanding, and it's not like I'm on the rules committee. It's not like I work for Indian or Harley, you know i I talk to a few people and they'll kind of give me little snippets, and you know you take that and you can kind of piece it together and get a fairly accurate you know a puzzle or uh, for the shooters out there, you can kind of get a dope chart going on on kind of <laughs> where the spider web is and so from my understanding, when the when Indian released the motor design um, to AFT for certification, their premise was, "Hey, we're going to run this. This is going to be a uh, 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 this is going to be a race only motor for a few years, but we're going to use this in a platform." And that hasn't happened yet. Whereas this, honestly, this was all kind of a perfect storm because no. the, the XR was getting tired. Um, And the XG was seen as, hey, we're going to get a Harley said, hey, we're going to get away from race only motors. We're going to race with what we sell. And so they put all their development money on that side of things. And then Indian just came in and and basically clotheslined them, you know, with this with this race only purpose built kind of deal. And and AFT started to try to level the playing field and i hate that i I don't like handicapping one you know the first thing they did is say hey on the indians you can't change the flywheel weights like you gotta you gotta just leave them the way they are um but like the the cases on the xg 750 cannot handle any more flywheel weights and that's what they were experimenting with and they were having a lot of motor failures with was they had the power and I talked to some of the racers that were on the first few years of that platform and they told me, they said, Tyler, these bikes are they're plenty fast. They just don't put the power down the right way. Well, when they tried to add to the flywheels, then you were breaking cases. And yeah. in the in the production rules, you gotta leave the cases the same. So that's in my opinion, that's what we really need. We really need um A rule change not to handicap the indians because i don't think that's right The indians built a better mousetrap like they they should be rewarded for that um but to allow the other teams to catch up um and i I think that harley's gonna have to have a new bottom end to give them any hope in my opinion
0: now well one of our one of our viewers here jason holman was uh, making some comments before you came on about how this, you know, the, getting the report from the dealers that are fielding these race efforts back to Harley, how this could all actually be a good thing, but you know, I, I immediately interjected the idea that it, it could be a good thing, but you know, without without the kind of participation that you know they're they're projecting there, it, it could fall well short.
4: Yeah, and what what concerns me <clears throat> is. I'm sure Harley's new CEO. I'm, I'm sure he's a sharp guy. They, you know, the board of directors would not approve him if he wasn't a sharp guy. But he comes from Puma, you know, Mr. Tennis shoe. Yeah, Mr. Tennis shoe. <laughs> Maybe is he can I'll run fast. Yeah, and you know, the marketing department. I know a few people in and out of the marketing department that are enthusiasts. But but my big fear, you got a publicly traded company. You got a board of directors. That has seen the boom. They've seen the huge amounts of money, and 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 this isn't just Harley. This is our industry in general. The big players, the high-paying jobs, all that kind of stuff. They continually go outside the industry for a fresh idea. And Chris, your whole magazine is built around the enthusiast. And you know what I always say is this: this industry, and I and I work in this industry, so you know. I look at it like, yes, you have to have some kind of smarts about you because at times things are hard to navigate. But this is an industry, in, in my opinion, if you're going to be truly successful, you have to lead with your heart and not always your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, because some of the things we do that end up working do not make any kind of financial sense. <laughs> <Yes>. You know, <laughs> racing being one of those things,
0: magazines, um, quite another.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. You, know, you you look at this stuff and and I just I wanna see some of my contemporaries that I know have a lot of passion. I wanna see those guys at the helm and I you know, we're getting way off track of everything right now, but that's like the that's the big scope of things is these guys and I think this all stems from somebody looking at a balance sheet with accounting and they go, Wait, whoa, 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 we were cutting what check to Vance and Hines?
0: Oh yeah, and we're
4: getting what results?
0: Yeah, and man, listen, that was that was my big question as the day after, the day after the King of the Baggers. You know, from from public perception, everyone was talking about how Harley lost to Indian again, and the question of how much longer you know as impressive as it is you know everything that everything that Vance and Hines was doing for Harley Davidson in the drag racing in the in the flat yeah. track racing how much longer was it going to continue on that way yeah, and again harley outsells indian correct I mean, oh yeah. Over there. yeah okay so the line yeah. of
2: what wins on sunday sells on monday that's out the door that's got to yeah. just you know people got to let that go it's just a line that party's over but a lot of times the, what these people race, you can't buy that anyway. So all your binds the name. and again like Tyler, you said it. you go to these races, you look out in those parking lots and what do you see 99.9% of the time Harley's. Yeah. So you know what I mean it's uh, to build the bike for racing, somebody posted something about the V rod They built the V rod for racing should build a you know a bike to compete. Is there money to build that bike? you said it before It's not feasible. Why would
4: well, you go out and of your you- way? You, know? you look but you look back at what Harley, uh, what their old CEO was doing, and they said, you know, a hundred new models and new roads and all that kind of stuff and and you know, I looked at it as, Oh, so you're AMF? Uh, I mean, like where does this stop? Yeah, right. You yeah. know, and and the new CEO comes in and he's trying to shelve all that you know, that new Bronx platform, he's trying to to shelve that as as fast as they can, and some of these things are too far along to stop. But like you said, Mark, like where is that development yeah, money? Right. I mean, you know, that's that's hundreds of hours of highly paid and highly skilled engineers yeah, and yep. machinists and and metallurgists and all this kind of stuff, and then failures. <laughs> yeah, yeah like,
2: keep and, that in mind.
4: Yeah, and and then it all comes down. And why did we do this? Yeah, you know,
2: where's the profit in it?
4: Yeah, you know, and and you know we we go we can go back and we can look at the big you know the, the the big players in this thing and that's the new CEO coming in and looking at this money spent and then you look at the small players the individual dealerships who you know the mothership says oh yeah we're going to create contingency and all you got to do is sponsor these guys but they're tight, too and. And the points that I've got a few talking points here, but one of them is, and I love my, I love the current racers. I do. I've been out of it at the pro level for six years now. So there's a few guys at the top of the game now that really don't remember me being in the pits every weekend and all that kind of stuff. So, but I kind of, they kind of take it personal when I bash on how poor some of them have gotten at creating relationships in the pits.
0: Yeah.
4: And A lot of these racers coming up, you know, in Flack, there's always been, like, five rich guys. And the names change, and they come and go, but there's five rich guys. And a guy, a racer, every racer will just cling on to that rich guy until that rich guy, you know, leaves the sport. Sometimes they come back, sometimes they don't. And our sport has become conditioned to that. It's basically find the rich guy. It's not, hey, I'm going to go talk to the owner of the local Harley shop and try to work out a deal with him. Right. So, you know, there's going to be, you know, with this new Harley program, number one, you got to find a racer that wants to get on one of those bikes yeah. in the production class. That thing's competitive. Uh, but yeah. the super twins, you, nobody's going to get on that bike. It, it's too much work. It's too much development. Nobody's going to fund that themselves. Um, but you've got to get these, these, uh, racers back conditioned to the way it used to be. Um, where, you had personal relationships with dealerships, you know. Joe Kopp had George yeah. Latus, yeah, right. And yeah. uh, you know, Chris Carr for years and years um, had Randy Texter um, mm-hmm. at uh, Lancaster uh, HD, you know. And you've got to, I really wish you know, some of these young kids could grab some of these older guys that did it the hard way, you know. Talk yeah,
2: but good, the dealers so are different Bitcoin, now. You, know? you you had said it before. The dealers are so different that almost doesn't exist anymore because that's what we did. We were friends with the guy at the Harley dealership. Yeah. They really didn't give us anything. And like you look at the the shops that took these motors before, like Jim at Megaflow, like this guy did it himself. I, I mean, did he go to Harley and and you know do anything with them at first? I mean Jim didn't get that information from them. He gave it a shot on his own, you know. Yeah. I, I mean there that's gone. I mean there's like you said you got to find that rich guy. We never had a rich guy. We had a fast bike. That was that was what we had. So, yeah. and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, but there's that you had said it before. There's that corporate there's that conglomerate of people that own the dealerships. Instead of going and pitching your idea to one dude that is, is into the bikes like you are, into racing like we were, now you got to convince a group of money guys. And they're like, yeah. Where like does the said, money come from? Yeah, like you said. Where does the money come we, from? We would have to buy cheap toilet paper and paper towel then. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It's yeah, sort of and, and
4: think, about, think about the parts counter guy, yep. the, the motor clothes crew the salesman yep. on that floor when the ownership group says hey man no christmas party and right. no bonuses this year but hey man we got fifth yeah
0: yeah
2: fifth us, <laughs> How about that?
0: How about that? right right oh <laughs> shit wait a bit <laughs> that's a that's that one deserved a sitcom laugh. yeah right
4: yeah, you know hey i went to a stand-up show last night i'm i'm ready to rock
0: no but hey man listen like even you know crossing over into uh into the drag race end of things you know drag racing has really taken an ass whooping in the Harley world over the last few years over the last bunch of years yeah but you know for me like even though I look like an old gray beard biker typical panhead guy all that shit I love yes, yes you do I, look like well I love I love all <laughs> motorcycling and I don't think anyone was as upset as I was the day that Harley Davidson's semi truck stopped going to Superbike. yep not because i mean they were for i think two seconds they were serious at all and the rest of the time it was you know luckily not a a complete embarrassment but harley davidson being in line with every one of the other manufacturers it meant something to me it meant something for them to be there you know it was it was part of the culture and you know again like someone in the comments here said about how uh you know, Harley-Davidson built the V-Rod Destroyer for drag racing, they should do the same for flat track. No, they shouldn't. Yeah, no. The V-Rod Destroyer, I think, was one, was one of the worst examples because yep. they literally made its own class inside of a racing sanction. It, yep. it, it did nothing to perpetuate the, the spirit or the sport of that. But sell bikes for Harley. Yeah. yeah. That was it, it.
4: Yeah, it was, it was and, and I'm not going to pretend that I know a ton about drag racing, but You know, back in the day, I used to get cycle news in the mail every week, and, you know, I I would read through that stuff. But, yeah, basically, Harley was like, oh, hey, we want a series where we can go win it every week. Right. So, (laughs) we'll call it the V-Rod, and, uh, oh, thanks. Thanks for these trophies. Yeah, (laughs) thanks
2: thanks for the the trophies. and And we were... You know, like we had talked about a couple weeks ago, one of the coolest things about us, we were a little tiny race team, and, you know, we had a dealer sponsorship, but we were pretty much on our own. The coolest thing for us was when we'd pull into the racetrack with our – Pickup truck that hardly made it there and an old dirt bike trailer. <laughs> when Wood Point, Harley dealers would load their bikes up on their trailer because they didn't want to waste the money, take a chance of breaking the bike or anything because they knew they weren't beating us anyway. So, you know what I mean? Like, the little guy needs to kick it up. Don't give up because Harley's not going to back you up. Just like anything yeah. else, you still got to go out there and race. You still got to go do it. You know, you can't let that. You know, where's Waldo? Where's that rich guy at? That's going to pay your way. Well, t- there has to be a backbone in there somewhere. You know,
0: Tyler, mm-hmm. you you'd be able to speak on this more than almost anybody because of your history in this. Are we, are we beyond the place where? You know, Chico's Bell Bonds is actually going to be a sponsor right. to that <laughs> to that privateer. Well, let you know.
4: man, honestly, and, and I, I do work on the marketing side of things. Um, so I'm looking at ROI, too. And sometimes I have to take my heart out of things and use my head for a minute. And the problem right now, and, and I've discussed this with several business owners, and, and I even talked to a, a flat track team owner yesterday about this. The problem right now is when you look at the ROI on, on a social media paid advertisement, it is cheap. It is effective. I am pushing so much of my, my company's budget that way uh-huh. um, that I look at that and I'm like, wait a minute. So this race team or, or ambassador or something wants you know $15,000 and you're either with that you take the chance of somebody not liking that ambassador somebody not liking that racing that racer and you've lost them already oh you're sponsoring the wrong guy it's kind of like arguing about politics or, or religion you lose 50 yeah. percent right off the bat and then but you look at hey i can put out a very creative post make sure it's on everybody's phone and Tell them where to go buy the product, how to buy the product, or maybe give them a tech tip and be on my merry way. Or I can sponsor a racer that may forget to mention me on the podium. Yeah, right. See, uh, so and and this isn't just flat track. This is supercross. Had, we just right. we just watched JGR close their doors in supercross, dude. How many Winston Cup titles have they won? And they couldn't hack it in motocross. They lost their suzuki contract they're done um you know factory yamaha just pulled it out and gave their their race team to a satellite you know that's the most popular motorcycle racing in america and joe gibbs racing can't keep a team together right I'll so i think and you know i think you look at nascar too i think at some point m ms is going to go you know, there's going to be historical teams that they're always going to have a NASCAR out right. there, you know, like a Napa Auto Parts or something mm-hmm. like that. But you look at when, when a marketing person sits down, and I'm not – I didn't go to college for marketing. I, I literally just kind of learned on my own, you know, you know, worked under some people and, and kind of learned the ropes. But when you really look at the numbers, man, as much as I love racing, as lo- as much as I love to help out racers – Man, when you're messing with somebody else's money and oh, your yeah. job's on the line to spend it correctly,
0: shit's tight, yeah. <sighs> man, this that's is a,
4: it's a hard sell.
0: This is kind of where I agree and disagree with you because I think there's I think there's a nugget of of discovery to be had here. Because just like just like bike builders, you know, one of the biggest problems with bike builders is the single worst thing that they do is promote. You know, and that's the same it's the same with racers. Racers are so geared towards the racing part that they forget that promotion like and and mentioning, mentioning your sponsor on the podium falls far short of, of what your responsibilities are in promotion. You know, when you talk about the, the availability of social media and the cost versus the ROI, it is fantastic, but it's still there's there's two sides of that coin. There is regular old retail advertising through social media and there's, there's experiential marketing nothing beats experiential marketing nothing speaks to a person about a product that you have to engage in something that they love to do like you showing them that you love it too experiential mm-hmm. marketing is is hands down the best and nobody can do that work for your company like the guy that's racing the motorcycle if he does it you know what I mean? So I think where we've gotten with this, like even in the case of, of m and that you're talking about, if the m M&M driver, if the race team, if they were so engaged and taking people on that trip, taking them into the pits, working on the car with them, you know, what's he doing on Saturday? You know, if they were doing that and they were really delivering the exper- the experiential punch to what they do, I don't think that their future would ever be in question, you know? Yeah. You mean Eminem yeah, guys a race car? <laughs> the, the red, the red one, the red one yeah, does. Santa. <laughs> um, oh shit! You
4: know, like, you know, and and I I tried to help a couple of years ago. I tried to uh, help some racers out with their marketing, and I opened it up to any anybody that you know wanted to send me a resume. I, I made you know like, hey, here's what I want to see from you guys. Submit it. Um, and it's basically, I'm going to be your marketing coach. I'm not going to do any work because I'm busy enough at work, but I'm going to be like your your ear. Like, hey, this is what companies like to see. Do it this way, and you'll, you'll go a lot further. And I got some really great entries, and I was asking kind of like mid-level, you know, now it's super twins, but, you know, guys that are you know, could be on the box but don't really have any huge help. I said, hey, why didn't you send an entry? And they said, Oh well, you know, I I get enough help. I get enough help, and you know, I wanted it to go to somebody else. And I want. So wait a minute. You mean to tell me, if I offered you a half million dollars, you would say, "Hey, no, nah, man, I'm already making a hundred thousand racing, so I don't I don't need that extra money. I appreciate you, though. Give it to somebody else who needs it.
0: Get, get yourself something. Doing, really, nice. nice. They, <laughs> yeah, they,
4: they would. They were literally. Like, yeah, exactly exactly and wow. i'm like guys come on man like like i've sat here and i've watched a few of these rich guys come and go you know some of them would get angry with the sport or angry with the racers and bounce some of them would literally run out of money and i'm like you can't and, and then the my favorite thing is when somebody gets ready to hang it up in racing hey tyler how, how do i get an industry job like you do that's that's what I want to do, yeah, how and easy I'm like is that, right? <laughs> I'm like, well, 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 I got my industry job from from knowing a racer who was sponsor, who was working for a company, and then doing the best I could yeah, for basically job. free. Yeah, right. <laughs> Until somebody was like, "Hey, man, you want to work a trade show?" And I'm like, I, "Yeah, I can stand and and yell at people all day. I got that." <laughs> and then it, you know it parlays itself, and I'm like, guys, you. We've got to have – you guys have to help yourself a little bit. And, like, so it's it's like – it's basically a world war. We've got the Eastern Front. We've got the Pacific Theater. We've got all these things going on, and it's going to be really, really hard to get everybody to march in step. It can be done, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to take a cold splash of water in the face before – before it all levels out you know thankfully the vance and hines crew vance and hines basically they're setting up a deal uh i I can't remember their official name for it right off the bat but it's basically like toyota does with trd where vance and hines is turning their race team guys which are man they are really really good guys i know they're busting their ass and they have for over 10 years um they're basically gonna tag them on development projects and what was interesting in their press release is they said two and four wheels and the hottest the hottest market in power sports right now is the side by side Side so i'm like okay so that's a that's a good way to parlay some of that racing budget and some of that expertise and knowledge and engineering that you already have on staff i was i was very happy to see those guys i think for the most part uh, those guys all kept their jobs, so that was that was a, a big plus out of it. And like I said, they're still going to be a, t- a technical partner for racers to use as well.
0: But you know, I I gotta say, I don't I don't want to put the fly in the ointment all the time. But you know, just to not see that line of motorcycles at the track, yeah. you know what I mean? To not see Harley Davidson represented on a nationally televised drag race, like. You know, hopefully someone's going to step up, but like you said, it's a it's a mountain of money, man. You got to find that rich guy.
4: Yeah, the biggest hit right now is going to be in the Super Twins class because nobody's going to willingly get on that motorcycle. It's just that it's not going to happen right now. Uh, You know, they were paying their racers a pretty good salary, and they were working hard. And, you know, they were starting to get results. You know, Brian Smith in Indianapolis went in a, a, a semi on that thing. Like, it was coming around. Jared Vanderkoy had some fantastic rides on it. Dalton Gautier, I think he was struggling a little bit. But you got to look at his progression, you know, moving from singles champion straight to the twins. There's a learning curve there. You know, most Super Twins champions – most of them are in the class 10 years before they win a title right um you know briar bauman kind of reverse that trend and some of the older guys have as well but that those guys were all working hard and they're great racers but i'm going to tell you right now if you're in that super twins class you want to be on an indian now in production twins I could, I could see how that's feasible. You know, you find the right enthusiast for $36,000, you can have a race-prepped bike um, and, and, and go racing on the thing. And the thing, you know, it needs a little bit of fine-tuning, of course, like anything would. But Vance & Hines has built a great production twins bike, you know, basically out <laughs> of the box. And, you know, what you've seen Chad Coase be able to do. And uh, James Raspoli this year, like, took off on it after Corey Texter won the championship on the previous year on the Yamaha. You know, they got that thing kind of rolling. Um, Hayden Gillum stepped in on one of the Vance and Hines bikes for a couple of rounds and did okay on it. Um, so in that, in that production twins class, you've got a capable motorcycle. And Harley, I, I think some people um because it takes the guesswork out of it you know you've already got the frame geometry you've mm-hmm. already got yeah. a proven package you know it, it, there's not a whole lot of um you know kind of shade tree engineers i guess you know like you know a couple weeks ago we just lost babe DeMay, and and um babe was one of, he was actually working on an xg platform right up basically in, until the day he died um cha- you know built he built his own frame and he was working very, very hard, and he kind of had a couple of racers in mind to get that thing on the track in 2021. And sadly, that that may not ha- that you know, that won't happen, obviously, with, with Babe. But I don't think that bike, you know, it may never, ever see the track, um, but we don't have that many people. Like that in our sport now. So in the production twins class, you can go to Vance and Hines, plop down, you know, almost four stacks, and and have a competitive bike. That's a big shot in the arm, but it, it does nothing for uh, it does nothing for the super twins class. The super twins class is going to be where um, Harley's basically going to have to say, uh, no, no, uh, we we weren't there. Oh, no nope, nope. production <laughs> twins. That's where we've been. Sorry, nope. Oh, nope, man. don't know what you're talking about.
0: You know, it's uh, it's definitely like I said. It, it's it's just it's just sad. Win, lose, or draw. You you definitely want you definitely want your team in the game. You know, and for a lot of for a lot of us, man, we're just we're just wondering what the hell. Like even even me to to watch the king of the baggers and whatever anybody thought about the king of the baggers. That was an absolute honor to have. You know, American motorcycles once again yeah. in, in the in the superbike arena. And to, uh, to watch Harley-Davidson just, like, lap after lap, man, it started slipping, and, you know, it was, it was hard. That was a hard one to lose, I bet.
4: Yeah, but, you know, if you, we all, a lot, most of us know the history of that. Harley beat itself at its own game because originally that V-Rod motor was supposed to go in the road glide. And they did market research, no. and they did focus groups, and everybody said, "Hell no, you ain't putting water in my bagger. Uh-huh. Yeah, ain't right. No, ain't going to happen." And then Indian does it, and people are like, "Holy crap, that thing's awesome!" You know, and, <laughs> and I'm, you know, like, hardly had the opportunity to do this, but but even if they would have, I don't, who knows if the timing was right? You know, I, I think Indian has a pretty clear path. Um, to be in more like a um, to me to be more like a triumph type brand where Indian is allowed to branch out. They you don't know. have they don't have the hardcore angry consumer that Harley does. <coughs>
2: Well, also, yeah. I think part of the reasoning there is Indians been 30 different people in past 100 years. Harley's <laughs> been Harley. I mean, not to, like, bash Indian at all, but Indian's reinvented itself 65 times. You know, like, come on. Uh, you're talking about a, a, a company in Harley-Davidson that's been Harley-Davidson for, what, 100 yeah, and cem- how many years? Uh, cem- you know,
0: cemented in place. It's yeah, almost I mean, to their own detriment.
2: Yeah, so every time Indian came out, you know, they had a whole new design group. that had a whole new this, whole new that. They didn't have to reinvent themselves. They remade themselves. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you got to give it. Yeah. you, you got to give Harley credit for lasting that long. And they're like you just said, they're supporters. They're a guy that said, you're not putting water in my bagger. I mean, I, I get that. <laughs> but then on top of that, my thing was you're not putting bags in my motorcycle. So I know the, you know what I mean? I know the feeling of the water on that.
0: But Never still. mind the fact that they were all baggers to begin <laughs> right, with. Right, from the get-go, right. You know. Yep. F- funny. Uh, the the fun. The funny thing there is, if you think back, it was at at one point Harley Davidson had the opportunity to buy the name Indian. Yeah. You know how 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 would you like to go back into. The- in time to that meeting and go, you know, maybe you might want to just yeah. pony up the money and just buy that Take shit it, and either it bury it or you could use that brand right. and launch mm-hmm. every weird motorcycle you want to come up with because your customers won't be but, pissed about but it.
2: But then it's been one of the greatest rivalries in American history. I oh, mean, yeah. in
0: all reality, yeah. that... You could have never taken that
2: rivalry away. And and like the nice part about it is you see a guy on an Indian, you're riding a bagger broke down or you're riding a Harley, he's broke down, you're gonna stop and help him. Just like any you know, just like anything else. That rivalry's just, you know, your preference. You said it before, Tyler. It's like religion or politics. politics. You know what I mean? You, you say one thing and the whole room's arguing, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah.
4: I I think we've there is a road ahead. But it's not going to be smooth. No, um, you know I I have high hopes for the the Vance and Hines crew because man, they've got some guys on that team um, that that I have had some interaction with. I've ridden some of the motorcycles that they they built before uh, they went to Vance and Hines. They know how to make horsepower. They know the right kind of horsepower. I think the rule book kind of limits some of the things they need to do to be truly competitive. So I'm excited that that they're still here. Um, but man, we gotta we gotta tune up our racers to go talk to those dealers. We gotta tune up the dealers to I don't know how in the world you're going to tell an auto salesman they going flat track racing is gonna help his bottom line, but we gotta figure that out real quick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna make this statement right here in public and, and I'll I'll follow this up with some paperwork uh, after the fact. But I would love for you to bring either Terry Vance or someone from his his establishment onto the show and tell us, tell us what comes next for Vance and Hines. I would love to have that interview. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, and
4: it was it was funny the uh, the employee that I was trying to fish for information from when he kind of figured out where I was going with the stuff because we're friends, you know he'll he'll tell me some stuff, but when I kept grilling him, he knew I was up to something, and he said you'll have to talk to Terry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, listen, we'll we'll definitely extend the invitation. Um, in the meantime, not only do I want to thank you for being here tonight but i want to thank you for your contribution if you guys are not aware every month in cycle source magazine tyler pens the Inside line um he gives us a real nice track side you know down home approach to racing the sport the people um it's it's been a great part of the magazine for god it's been like a year now right no
4: no no more Chris. than that we're on, we're on. on three, year three three Get the hell yeah, out of here! It's it's a solid two and a half. Real nice, um, Tyler. He's giving of.
0: you. He really loves you a lot. He only thought it was a year.
3: Employee of the month over here.
0: Twenty twenty's been rough on on Chris here. I'm, I'm telling you right now. You'll be so good
1: to Tyler. Tyler always turns.
0: He's on in. time. I know. On and time. you know something else about Tyler? Job. Whether anybody agrees with him or not, the
2: dude stands his freaking ground, man. You got to give him all the credit in the world. You know, you don't always really yeah. see it eye to eye, but he's he knows where he stands and he doesn't let anybody wreck him. When that. he shows up when
0: he shows up at the hardcore bike event with that, that fluorescent yeah, yeah. tube top, right? like yeah, nobody <laughs> nobody sticks to his guns <laughs> like Tyler.
4: Mm. I told you guys not to talk about that.
0: <laughs> Dude, it was good
4: shit. <laughs> Uh, i don't remember that at all that guy everybody listening it never happened it never happened i'm I'm a, I'm a very dedicated professional no i i appreciate you guys having me on and and sometimes it is a, a little tough because you got to step on some toes and you yeah, gotta you, do. you know you gotta crush a grape to make wine you know kind of thing and um i try to you know in the inside line honestly i i kind of gear it to The more casual fan somebody that maybe just started watching racing you know paying attention to flat track you know in the last you know five year span Uh, i I try not to get too in depth with stuff because uh that just leads me down a road road of uh possibly being really wrong about something so but no it's really it's great to get on here and kind of dig a little deeper into stuff and kind of let people know that there are bigger things at play than just Harley's quitting. Harley's giving up. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot lot going on in this uh, little rat race we've got.
0: It's a it's a big old world, man. I mean, at the beginning of the show tonight, we talked about the news of uh, Komodo buying up some more real estate, and you know, I really hope for the sake of motorcycling, for the spirit and the soul of it, that we don't forget that this isn't all about numbers, you know, because you lose you lose track of lose track of the foundation. There's a lot of other things to do. In the world today, than motorcycling, you know what i mean like it's got to mean more it's got to be more than the 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 bottom line all the time i mean everybody yeah. has to make a profit but
4: Yeah. And one of the things I get really concerned about is somebody looks at the numbers in power sports for 2020, like, you know, these investment banker thing types. And they look at the numbers, they go, guys, we're missing a huge opportunity here. And it's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You cannot look at a 2020 number and see how successful we've been and think that that's the true state of our industry because people couldn't go to concerts. They couldn't go to resorts. They couldn't go to theme parks. And they went, wait a minute. I do have a motorcycle. It needs a few parts, and you know, man, I hope this momentum carries on. You know, where I work, we're kind of trying to, we're hoping to ride the wave through 2021, but mm-hmm. well, we're certainly looking at 2022 like we're back to 2018 yeah. kind of thing. And yep. uh, I just, I just hope that uh, we put more butts in seats at flat track races. And, and to everybody listening, one of the things I really want to put out there. AFT does a great job. You know, they're getting a lot better with their live stream and their gold pass. It's like 11 bucks for the freaking year. You can't put gas in your car to go somewhere for 11 bucks. So if you can't get to a national, support that, buy that. It's great to have friends over and watch. But more importantly, find your local flat track racetrack. You know, like in a lot of states like Illinois and Wisconsin, Ohio, they have motorcycle clubs. Find that motorcycle club. Go tailgate with your buddies on a Friday night. Go, you know, pack a cooler if they allow that. Go support their concession stand. I I promise you the burgers will get better if you keep buying. (laughs) Maybe there will be meat one day. (laughs) Yeah, like, the more you support that grassroots, you're going to find a kid on an 80 that you're like, man, I like that kid. I like that kid's style. and then they're going to get up on 250s and 450s, and you're going to build a route in the sport for yourself. And, again, that's yep. where it started. Yes, sir. And, man, I'm telling you, some of those fairground racetracks, I know it's going to be a long night, but if you're going to sit through a four-hour high school football game, yeah. you can go ride your Harley or sit on your tailgate and watch kids on PW50s all the way up to 50- and 60-year-old guys you're going to be entertained. Oh, yeah. uh, hey. You're probably going to shit talk oh, with your buddies. Maybe Those kids, Sturgis. man. Yeah, those yeah. kids kill it. Yeah, so, you know, when throw we down out, dollar people. bets with your buddies.
1: Yep, <laughs> that was one of my favorite nights in Sturgis. Chris and I went out to the Jack Pine Gypsies flat track. We had mm-hmm. so much fun watching every class, right down to the three-year-old. Oh yeah, the oh, little man. kids are Hey, awesome. and
0: listen, there's nothing better than here in the Rust Belt. I'm not sure what it's like in other parts of the country, but the tri-state area of Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Ohio, we are unashamedly hillbilly oh, as yeah. f, right? Hey man, so, you,
4: you guys still sell beer and gallon jugs, right? Club, right, right. There, there,
0: that. there is no racing as serious as the farm boy class at yep. the end of the night. Yep. You get a guy in a in a purpose built flannel shirt with work boots on, giving it hell out on a dirt track. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. I don't listen. He wants a win. Period. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Dude, look. You look at that grassroots racing. Hooligan racing revolutionized our entire sport. That yep. started as a halftime show at Costa Mesa Speedway. Yeah. No and the, you know, the RSD crew started going to the Speedway races and the guys were putting down their beers, grabbing their soft tail and going out and racing and the RSD guys go, "Wait a minute, we got a fleet of sportsters. We're going to come out and try this." And from that, this whole, you know, ecosystem of yeah. flat track racing, you know, all of this adrenaline that's been pumped into our sport while we were on life support, was because of this grassroots stuff. So I I beg you guys listening, um, go out, find your local flat track races, pay that $15 gate fee, sit there, take some bug spray. You're probably going to need it. (laughs) But, man, I'm telling you, that's how we build. That's how we fix a lot of these problems because if if you're the guy that goes and hangs out at at your Harley shop, at your local Harley shop on the weekends, and you go – hey, man, a bunch of us are riding over to the flat track race tonight. Then that dealer goes, wait a minute, my customer base goes over to the flat track? Yeah, right. Man, that's – and it's tiny, tiny. And I know you don't think you're making a big difference by going to a local race. You are. You are. Yeah, absolutely. I I plead with you to do that.
2: You know, and the the other thing about it is, you know, you go and watch these guys, you know, these – small races and the, the young kids racing and that's where it's at you watch the heart that these people put into this whether it's you know uh the dirt bikes or flat track or hill climbs or god you know stock cars dirt track anything like that you will not have a better time than going and watching these amateurs they give it their all and and mm-hmm. y- if you watch the young guys you keep your eye on some of these guys that have it going on that's the next big guy you watch at the oh, flat absolutely. track you know what I mean yeah. You support those little places. And like you said, go eat the bad hamburger, you know, whatever, bring your gallon jug for your beer, but just go.
0: You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. got to just go do it. Yeah, hey, yep. per- perfect example is like Heather said Jackpine Gypsy events were some of our favorite shit in Sturgis yep. this year. And for 460,000 people that were in Sturgis, the attendance was okay it could have been way better than that you yeah. know what i mean right. for, mm-hmm. for the fact that they had almost every night they had a different form of racing over there man well, start taking the that, time start taking the time to do that shit and yeah. i
1: think that's something that chris you and i and tyler we need to make a conscious effort to make more people aware because jack pine gypsies are known for their racing they're not known for their marketing
2: yeah it's <laughs> right. not
1: easy it's not easy yeah. to find that information and it's such a shame because they have phenomenal events every they single do. day they do they're
4: cool every night something yeah. different and you know just a little background like when i i had a website it's called fightfordirttrack.com i ran it for 10 years and the name in slide line that it, you know we use for the article now that came from my friday morning weekly update and at the bottom of every week I posted. I had, you know, I would plead with racing organizations, clubs, send me your race schedule, and I would go through the race schedules, and I would post where to race for the next two weeks, where the races were, and that's very hard to do in a magazine because of, uh, you know, just the the timeline of everything. You know, we're a couple. We're always. We can
1: do it on our months. website, though.
4: No, yep. right, and but you know, if you don't know where the races are. Almost every flat track race is AMA sanctioned. Find out what AMA district you live in. They have a website. Go to that AMA district website. You can find where the races are because they're posted. I promise you that.
0: Yep.
4: What are you guys, District 5?
0: We're 5 over here, yo. 5, bitches. 5 for life. (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh you pennsylvania guys yeah i i uh i think i can't remember like this this is how bad it is you know, i grew up in kentucky and um there wasn't a lot of flat track racing in kentucky um you know when i was growing up so i always went to a good old district 17 in central illinois yeah, that there was, you go that was where i hung out
0: <laughs> <laughs> well i i don't want to i don't want to lay claim claim to fame to too much for pennsylvania we're awful proud of our accomplishments over here because they don't come all the time but district five was uh was the beginning of a little thing called racer x yeah right mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> yeah yeah and district yes yeah, so, got so district
0: 17 district five is coming over
4: <laughs> don't, don't mess hey listen i'm from kentucky i am not a uh fbi member a fast boy from illinois i wasn't even fast but i'm telling you the fast boys from illinois i don't know they might might have something to say about that
0: that's all right All uh, right, on man well listen thanks again so much for coming on and uh and and making us all a little smarter giving us some education i would love to do this more with you though because seriously man like you know the, the what, what you bring to the table it, it extends it extends our reach. It, it's, it's important that we do this work, that we keep people excited about you know all ends of, of motorcycling right now, both for you know what we both do for a living and for for the thing itself to continue on. So you know let's do yep. this more often.
4: You know, I'm I'm pretty free on Sunday afternoons. You just gotta give me a heads up. Now I know that you send the link to my email and uh, text message. So <laughs> right there. But Chris, you know the big news. You know this because we talked all week about it. But I got a lathe now, so I don't I don't know. I'm gonna be making chips.
2: Did you hear that, Mark? You hear what he said? Yeah, I'm coming <laughs> to your house and lighting your garage on fire too. <laughs>
4: Dude, I have I have ruined so many pieces of metal in my basement this week, <laughs> and I'm happy to do it. I literally, I told my girlfriend, I think I'm going to go do this interview in the basement and just have something on the lathe just spinning the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> How's it
0: going? Ask <laughs> as, as my lathe. That's my lathe.
4: Yeah, that's my lathe, <laughs> but I uh, don't really know how to use it. But by God, I got one. So.
0: Well, and you know, man, that was that was kind of the inspiration for where we're starting this series. Was you and I having conversation on the phone about yep. you know what about this, what's that? And you know, I started digging up some stuff. So to this give is you your one. fault, Tyler.
4: Well, you know, I'll take the blame here. But see, Chris and I, a lot of people don't know this. Chris and I are really the same person. Uh, you know, we both have a lathe now. We both have a significant other named Heather. Yeah. I mean, we're really on the same path. Um, now, now Heather, I don't know if Chris has showed you YouTube machining videos, but I know my Heather is really tired of them.
0: Tell them, Heather.
1: Yeah, actually, not only the videos, but I had to go out into the shop the other day and learn how to drill and tap.
4: Oh, well, that's a that's a very that's a very yes. important skill. What how hard is that. What I'm having to learn is uh, now, you know, Heather, my my girlfriend, Heather, she doesn't live with me, but she comes over quite a bit and all this kind of stuff. What I've had to learn was uh, uh, a broom. A broom is very important because she will come down to the shop without shoes on and oh, uh oh, yeah no. nope. Nope.
1: That's Well, you amount.
2: see mm-hmm. Heather lives here mm-hmm. and she okay. knows better than to walk around anything Chris works on because he doesn't clean
0: anything up oh here we go again no. <laughs>
4: oh boy you know great, <laughs> kick the great talking to you guys <laughs>
0: you, you know so, you know Tyler, so let Tyler let Jesus Christ himself advice. only had to hang on the cross
1: <laughs> so, let me give you some advice Tyler get yes. her some hard-soled slippers that she can slip on when she go down there and mm-hmm. get her her own work gloves, couple yep. pairs. Leave them there.
4: You know what she told me last week? Oh boy! You. She said I needed to wear the. I don't know. I've never heard of. They're called safety glasses. They're soberated. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I
1: I do recommend that Chris wears his his old guy glasses, so he gets away without the safety glasses. Yeah, but so that's
4: because he one, can't see.
1: One trip. To, to the ER to get a metal shaving out of your eye? Yeah.
4: Oh. I have safety contacts. Oh, so, uh, there you go. Safety <laughs> no. contacts. Good point. Yeah. Uh, so in
1: your shop, a, uh, <laughs> hard-soled slippers, work gloves for Heather, make sure you keep a magnifying glass, a flashlight, and a pair of tweezers handy because more than once you're going to be like, Heather, can you pull this piece of metal out of my finger? And she told you, no, yeah. you're going to shoot your eye out,
2: kid.
4: Well, you know, and a lot of things I read about these this machine shop equipment is no loose-fitting clothing, uh-uh. so pants no. aren't – I don't have to wear uh, pants. Yeah, they're anymore. optional. That's yeah. been good.
0: No, and, so, <laughs> yeah. and someone, David Crumb, just brought up no gloves. You know, Heather, Heather said to me the other day, I was running a drill press, and she said, why don't you at least have, you know, the, the rubber gloves on to keep your hands clean? I'm like, because – I want to keep my hands attached to my arms you know oh, you're yeah. right the on only in.
1: reason I said that was because you were just finished saying can you pull this piece of metal out of my finger? <laughs>
0: yeah
2: gloves and spinning spinning machinery mm-hmm. don't go together and this no, is this is the for thing. No
1: they should be because the last thing she wants to do is lean on something while she's oh, yeah. watching Tyler do his well While pass.
2: she falls asleep watching and Tyler play with his, mach- his lathe
0: Yeah
4: I, 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 I poor I'm, girl. Not, I'm not going to get that serious with it <laughs> It's just it's just an ornament right now. <laughs> right on.
0: Well, cool, man. Listen again. Thank you for coming on, and uh, and we, we hope to do this with you again real soon.
4: Always happy to be on. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'll talk to everybody soon. Hopefully, uh, no, not too many hateful comments for me uh, no. jabbering, jabbering all. It was, night. it was actually,
0: it was actually all supportive, man. Yeah. really was.
4: Oh, good! Yeah. I owe those people a lot of money.
2: There was a Heather that posted a few shitty things though about oh yeah <laughs> about some guy in
0: his lathe, and now hey, I, under- I made- now I understand.
4: Hey, I overcooked some chocolate chip cookies tonight <laughs> for her. So with with love, oh love. boy, I overcooked them. W- Wait, did
2: you overcook them because you were too busy spinning something on your lathe?
4: No, no, no. Like I've actually I haven't <laughs> gone down to the basement. We we kind of went on a little weekend vacation, and uh, we just got back this afternoon. So. uh I kind of, you know, I kind of opened the door and said hi to the lathe. I, I came on upstairs, you know. That'll be tomorrow night's project. Right so on. you
1: guys both just got an invitation from David Crum in New Jersey. He says, "Come to New Jersey and we'll do a machine shop class."
0: Hey man, I'll come. Uh, I'll come up with the truck and we'll shoot it. We'll shoot it for Greasing Gears Garage. I'm totally down for that. I'm totally uh, down for it. What we
4: call it, like Dumb and Dumber in the machine,
0: <laughs> shop? right? Accident waiting to happen in
2: the
4: machine. In the shop. Machine
1: shop for dummies.
4: Yeah, hey! It's like you know, like you know, I, I kind of like the carpentry rules, like ah, close enough, and all this machinist stuffs about tolerance. And <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make some damn chips. <laughs> That's
0: awesome. Right now, there's there's twenty five thousand machinists that just fell off of their chair watching this, going, "Oh, good god!"
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was talking to a machine a machinist buddy of mine. And I go, "You know, I got these end mills, but I really think I'm just gonna get the hog in mills because I'm just rough cutting." Boy. Yeah, I'm right. Rough cutting Come on.
2: Not rocket science,
4: right on. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> not uh, like I'm
2: gonna ride uh, this thing or anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, listen, that's it. Check him out every month in Cycle Source Magazine. You can actually uh, follow his entire compendium of work from the InSlide line during the nearly three years in Cycle Source Magazine on our website at cyclesource.com. It's all been indexed there. Search him out. Some great stuff all the time. Tyler, thanks again.
4: Happy, man. happy anniversary, boss. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. First yeah. anniversary. <laughs> you bastards.
0: There. <laughs>
4: <laughs> all right
0: so man great talk right yeah, i mean good shit awesome Tyler's awesome enough. always
1: a good conversation. he really is
0: it's always you know, fun and i that's have for to sure.
1: say mark you hit it on the head no matter what tyler sticks to what he believes oh, yeah. and what he feels yeah. and he's not afraid to say it nope. and that's so refreshing <laughs>
2: It is. That's why he's always fun and he—he's just
0: a real, yeah. real person I, I, to talk with. I like—I like when he used to call up and and, and tell us about uh, reading the editorial and go, you know, you make me so mad with your editorial you're sometimes. Not <laughs> you're not my—you're not my real dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yes. All right, man. Hey, listen. Uh, a couple things we want to go over with you guys real quick. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm gonna remind you one more time that we are. Doing a little show here called Shop Talk. It comes to you every Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 50 floors below the street level at Cycle Source Magazine headquarters from the Dennis Kirk Motorcycle Studio. Uh, Dennis Kirk, their motto, We Ship Today. You can see it right up there. We Ship Today. And if you're last minute like me, that shit's important because you need your chopper fix. They'll hook you up. Um. Oh man, there's been so many comments and stuff tonight. You guys have been awesome. A few events coming up that we want to talk about. Obviously, first and foremost and coming up real quick is the Wheels of Steel, Central Florida Wheels of Steel, December 5th and 6th. You can see some most or maybe all of us during the Wheels of Steel event. We're going to have the Cycle Source mobile studio be doing some interviews down there with the builders. Um also going to be in the house with Flatbroke Chops and rods Um, Very soon here You're going to want to get to TwistedT.com Sign up for your last couple chances To twist up your ride And win the Twisted T Dozer From this year Make sure you check it out Get in on that And one of
1: my favorite motorcycles
0: While we're doing a little plug I have to put this out there This month we got to feature the T Dozer In um in Cycle Source magazine, and there was an ad in there for Flatbroke Chops and Rods, me and Mark, and in that you can see two of our new products, the um, Hellraiser shifter and oil tank. There it is, right there. And no, you can't hide alcohol in it. I mean, you can give it a shot, but and you can see in this particular ad there are zeros in place of the prices because <laughs> we pulled the wrong ad before we went to. Uh, to show prep, so that they're they're not actually free, but it's it's a it's a reasonable amount of money for a good product. So go check it out. Um, lots of stuff coming up. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have some events to talk about here real soon. Because oh,
1: God fingers crossed.
0: Damn, fingers. Everybody crossed. needs to get out of the house, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Raise your hand. <laughs> so.
1: If you guys do like Chop Talk and you like listening to Chris, Mark, and myself, yeah, on, um, please like and share. That's the best way you can support us um, to keep this show going. Just go to the little corner, hit like, hit share. We sure would appreciate that support from y'all.
0: And make sure up in the top right-hand corner of the screen right there that you support everybody that you see on that logo roll. Because in one way or another, they help make this happen. Um, they're helping us keep that programming going I want to give a big thanks to Tyler for coming on part of the magazine staff, Mark for being here week after week and helping us do this, always bringing a great perspective to the stuff that we do and uh, that's probably going to be it for this week, huh? We got to all the news. I think so. Let me so. see. Go through my checklist. We picked on everybody we possibly could. Did I talk about my lathe? Yeah, we've heard about your lathe. Should I say it one more I'm time? I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out
2: a way I'm getting out of this house without going into that garage. We need an escape hatch from the
0: you're, fifty four garage. You're coming to the garage. Heather, do you have something in the kitchen you want to show me?
1: <laughs> yes, I made muffins today. You can come have a
0: muffin. <laughs> so you're let me get this right. You're going into the kitchen to look at my wife's muffin. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Oh boy all right, man. You
1: are literally within striking distance you I know it's that, not right? worth it either
0: I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather enjoy one of your muffins <laughs> <laughs> We're all in trouble now Alright man hey listen until uh, The next time we all get together Thanks for letting us into your headspace for a little bit And supporting uh, the crazy shit That goes on over here in the In the motorcycle universe Until next week when we come back Same chopper time
1: same chops for channel
0: Bye, Felicia <laughs> <laughs>